Okay. Everyone be careful now what you say. So, we're in Perik Dalit, on page Ches. We're about six lines from the bottom of the page. Uh, the, the first two words on the line are Loisase, followed by a period, and that's where we're holding. Well, we're learning in this Seperik, in general, we're talking uh, the, uh, this, the, the bigger picture. Um, in chapter two, Perik Beis, we learned about the essence of the Neshama of the Yid. So the essence of the Neshama that makes every Yid a Yid, what makes a Jew a Jew is that they have what we call the second soul, the nefesh hashenis, and that's a part of godliness, that Hashem invested or implanted a part of Himself with each and every yid. So in, additional, in addition to the basic soul, which we call in Tanya the animal soul, that there is in every living being, so yid also has that, we have the animal part of us. Uh, we always say animals not bad. Animals are not bad, they're just animals, they're just into themselves, they're not into godliness. So yid has an animal soul as well, the part of us that just looks for pleasure and having a good time. And we also have a godly soul, and that's what makes us Jewish. So chapter 2 talked about the godly soul, the essence of the godly soul being a part of Hashem, and how every year, the greatest year, the smallest year, different levels, but all of them are only a developed form in one form or another of the godly soul. That was chapter 2. Chapter 3 introduces us to the soul powers. The godly soul is made up of 10 soul powers. We talk about chachma, bina, das, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, emotions, kindness, severity, beauty. Um, the various emotions of the godly soul. And we talked about how um, intellect, it leads the, uh, leads the emotions in the godly soul. So when one uses their intellect, as the Rambam writes, to think about Hashem and contemplate the greatness of Hashem, that's going to awaken and create feelings of love and fear of Hashem, simcha, bitachon, etc. That was chapter 3. Chapter 4 introduces us to the third part of the story, Again, if chapter 2 is the essence of the godly soul, and chapter 3 is the ten soul powers, what's chapter 4? The external. The garments. The, good, yeah. the externals or the garments, the levushim of the godly soul. It just goes with the, what you said it earlier. Talk the house. Everything's connected. So the, the levushim, the garments of the godly soul, are machshava, dibur, and maise. Thought, speech, and deed. Thought, speech, and deed. What does that mean? Why are they called garments? So a garment is not me. What's the proof that a garment is not me? I can take it off and I can change it. So it's not me. But nevertheless, it's very important. I express myself through my garments. And when I'm in a certain place, I wear clothing that fit with the place that I'm going to. So the same thing is thoughts. Are my thoughts me? No. What's the right? My thoughts are not me. I can change my thoughts. I can think about something else. I can stop thinking about something. So it's not me. It's a tool. Words, they're not me. I can talk whatever I want and I can stop talking and I can change channels so words are not me either. Actions are definitely not me. I can do something all day that I very don't care about. I do it for work and I don't I come home and I don't do it anymore. So thought, speech, indeed are garments, forms of expression of our godless. Are Does anyone connect them to your Nefesh Bahamas or is the, they're not connected? Yeah, the, the Nefesh Bahamas also has thought, speech, In other words, just like the godly soul has ten soul powers and garments... The animal soul also has those very ten, sen, ten same soul powers and its garments also. Uh-huh. So it's not that like those three are connected to the Nefesh Bahamas. And no, 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 no. Each soul is a full soul together with the top powers and the garments. It's a full, each one is a whole, a person can live totally with one soul and his garments, doesn't have to think about the other one at all. Each, each one is a full, uh, inclu- totally inclusive en- uh, entity. Okay? So that we learned last week. And we learned, so, but really... Um, even though the garments are only garments, but they're very important because all of the Torah and mitzvahs that we do is with those three garments. Right? Any mitzvah that we do is going to be either in deed or in thought or in speech. 
right? When we talk words of Torah, we're we're, ta- we're using our garment of uh, of, ta- of, wor- of words in order to do, to do a mitzvah. When we think words of Torah, when we do a mitzvah with our hands, when we wrap tefillin, when we give tzedakah, when we help another yid, whatever it is, so we're using our koyach ha-maisa. So these garments are the garments within which we do Torah mitzvahs. But what we talked about last week was, and it was a very powerful idea, we talked about, I don't even remember, how many of you were here last week by this year? I think everybody was. I was here. What? We all were. You were... Except Max, Max was not feeling it. Max wasn't, right, you weren't feeling it, so I remember that. Okay, but, but we had the idea that it doesn't matter, you can chaz or something over and over, it's all about chazar. So, so we said, just like my garments, garments are wonderful, but it's all about that I am clothed in my garments. And the same is when it comes to mitzvahs. You could do a mitzvah just with your power of action. But, it, it, it sounds funny to say it, I could like not be enclosed in the mitzvah that I'm doing. What's an example of doing something I'm not enclosed in it? Um, oh, doing a mitzvah without kavanah. Without kavanah. You create a guilt. Like, for example, you can have a situation, I don't know, I'm totally present, company excluded, but you can have an example, a person is a half hour after reading, and says, I don't remember, did I bench or I didn't bench? I don't remember. How can you not remember if you benched? Very simple. Because even if I did, my mind was elsewhere. So I just did it. Right? Sometimes we know, we know the words well, we put our mouth on autopilot, and you know, bench. Or we're in the middle of davening, I don't know which page am I at. Because I'm just doing, I'm doing it, but I'm not there. I'm not in clothes, in my clothes. So my clothes are working. My thought is going, my speech is going, my act. I'm doing something, I'm doing a mitzvah. But I'm not in clothed, really, in the clothing that I'm doing. I once heard from Rabbi Zusha, not from Rabbi Zusha, that Rabbi Zusha said, what does it mean having a makam kavua tefillah? Because wherever you're holding tefillah, that should be the makam that you're kavua. That the place that you are holding is we should actually be holding. Excellent. So Excellent. It's a cute beautiful, word. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But that's really the I mean, sometimes we know ourselves. Sometimes we can be more enclosed in it. And sometimes a person can be so involved in their davening, their learning, that they don't know what's going on around them. Because they're fully in it. Right? And sometimes we're so distracted, we're all over the place. Right? They now saw the Tzemach Tzedek. Again, I mentioned Tzemach Tzedek, the third Rebbe. So he was a tremendous, he had a tremendous amount of chassidim. I mean, the Balatani started Chabad. His son was the Mittler Rebbe of Doiv Ber, continued, but the grandson, the Tzemach Tzedek, brought it to a level that was like, I mean, it says that he had like over 50,000 chassidim in Russia. Do you daven when you go to Sfat at the Tzemach Tzedek show? Yes. That's where I daven when I sure, go to Sfat. Sure, sure, sure. I'm not always, because yeah, I, I mean, but it's, many it's times, a sure. good location also. So, so Tzemach Tzedek one time traveled out of Lubavitch. And he had also uh, six sons. And they were all traveled, him and the sons and the Hasidim, a whole entourage. And the way back to Lubavitch, he was traveling, and he said, you know what, let's travel through the city of Dubrovna. Dubrovna is a little small, a small shtetl. Okay, the Rebbe says, you don't ask questions. So the whole entourage goes to Dubrovna. Come to Dubrovna, it's late at night. He says, you know what, let's go visit Reb Nechemia. Reb Nechemia Dubrovna is a great Lubavitch, a, Hasid, a businessman, rather, but a tremendous good. We have, so we have some of the Shailas Shuvas, Divir Nechemia. Man is going. So the Semach Selek says, let's go visit Reb Nechemia. So, Rebbe said. So the whole entourage goes. They come to his house. They see the lights on, whatever it is. So they knock on the door. No answer. They knock, they knock, they knock. Not answering. But the Rebbe said, we're visiting. So a few of the Chassidim went. They took down the door. <laughs> and everyone goes in. The Rebbe, the sons, the Chassidim. Reb Nechemia is sitting by his table and he's learning. 
He has two Gemaras open, he's learning. He's totally engrossed, didn't hear them knocking on the door, didn't hear nothing. And he doesn't know that his own Rebbe is standing right now by the table, surrounded by his sons and the Chassidim. And he's sitting and learning, engrossed in his, in his tale to learn. Businessman. And every, he was a businessman. He signed his name, Nechemye Fabrikant, which means businessman. That's how he would sign his chuvas. They asked him, Shalos and Aloha. That's it. So they're all surrounding the table. It's quiet, deathly quiet in the room. And he's learning. And so Mosadik gives a sign that they can all leave. They all walk out. So Mosadik said, this is why I said we're going through Dibrovna. I wanted to show you how a yid is supposed to learn Torah. He says, I knew what we were going to see. <coughs> and they left. You know, usually at this point someone asks, did they put the door back up? You know, I, I don't know. But that's the nice In other words, there's, there's doing it and there's being enclosed in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So that's the union of the Levush. Okay. That brings us to where we're holding. So again, six lines from the bottom of the page. Now here he's going to tell us a very, very powerful point. Which is, again, a quick introduction, then we'll read. What's more important? My actual soul powers or the garments of my soul? Your actual soul powers. So it would seem my soul powers, and that's me. That that's really my makeup. The garments are only external. Says so MS. But on the other hand, your so, your, your your soul powers you can never change because they're so intrinsic. They're part of God. They're you. What, forget. He says my soul powers are me. What's going to connect me to Hashem Himself? The Torah mitzvahs. In other words, at the end of the day, I, as holy as my soul is. I'm a human being. I'm a creation. Hashem created me to be a person. And then Hashem gave me abilities to connect to Him and to grasp Him and to hold on to Him. What are those abilities? Torah and mitzvahs. Torah and mitzvahs are simple thoughts, words, and actions. So it turns out that those garments that in a sense are more external to me, they're the tools through whom I'm able to connect to Hashem Himself. And that's, in that way, the garments really bring me to a place that I, on my own, would never be able to get to. Because only the garments are the ones through which I connect directly to Hashem. That's the idea he's going to tell us now. So let's read inside. These three garments of Torah and mitzvahs, the thought of Torah, the speech of Torah, and the action of mitzvahs, even though they're called garments to the soul, nefesh, ruach, and neshama are different levels of the soul, im kolzen, nevertheless, so even though they're called garments, so one would think they're not so great, they're only garments, im kolzen, nevertheless, gov havig god their maila, their advantage is great, le'im kates, limitlessly greater, v'sayif, without any limit and end, Almailas nefesh ruach neshama atzmon on the soul itself. So the garments of the soul have a mile of an advantage, an infinite advantage over the soul itself. is written in the Zayhar. Did you say, Max, that when you have a new house, you say Zayhar, you said, right? Mm-hmm. So it's written in the Zayhar. The rice of a kuchabrihu kulachad. That Torah and Hashem are one and the same. That's a, that's a, that's a Zayhar quote. Pirush, what does that mean? The rice of the Torah. Torah is Hashem's wisdom and Hashem's will. And Hashem Himself in His own glory. They're all one. In other words, it's not like there's Hashem and Hashem's Torah. Hashem's Torah and Hashem are one. It's one and the same. The Rambam, when the Rambam discusses the oneness of Hashem, so the Rambam says, by a human being, there's me, and there's my wisdom, and there's what I know, and there's what I learned. That's all separate entities. 
Hashem's ultimate un, uh, un, uh, unity is that Hashem is one with His wisdom. So Hashem and His Torah are one thing. So therefore, when I learn Torah, what am I really taking in? What am I connecting to Hashem Himself? Now, I imagine I, I open up a Gemara, I learn a piece of Gemara, I learn Allah and, and Shulchan Aruch, I learn a Mishnah, I learn a piece of Chumash, I learn a piece of Tanya. I'm picking up an idea, a nice thought, a nice idea. Really, the Zayar says, I'm picking up Hashem Himself. Hashem Himself is present in the Torah that I learned. How's that shy? Isn't Hashem way beyond my wisdom? Isn't Hashem limitless? And that's what he says. Even though Hashem is called Ein Saif. What is Ein Saif? How does Ein Saif translate? Endless. Endless. Infinite. To Hashem's greatness, there's no understanding. There's no really thought or mind that can grasp Hashem at all. Just like Hashem Himself is limitless and infinite and beyond our grasp. Same is with Hashem's will and Hashem's wisdom, that they also, Hashem's wisdom is beyond human wisdom. as the Pasuk says, There's no understanding, ultimately, Hashem's wisdom. Uksivet, another Pasuk, he quotes a number of Sukim. Is there one who can really understand Hashem? Uksivet, the Pasuk says, in the Navi, Hashem says, My Machshav and your Machshav are not the same. So all of these Pasukim tell us that Hashem's Wisdom and Hashem's will and Hashem Himself are infinitely beyond our grasp. So here's the thing. So even though Hashem is infinitely beyond our grasp, Al Omru concerning this it said, Sham Anvas Nusai. I'm not sure, I don't remember if this is a Gemara or a Medrash, you'll have it in the footnotes probably. He says that in the place where you see Hashem's greatness. That's where you find Hashem's humbleness, Hashem's humility. What does that mean? It means... Gemara. It's a Gemara? Megillah. Megillah. Sorry, don't tell anyone I didn't remember that. Please. I don't need this getting out. It's fresh, Megillah. I should have known it. Okay, so we're, we're in together. So I won't tell you, you won't tell me. So he says... This is all recorded, right? So it says that Hashem, His greatness and His humility come together. What does that mean? It means like this. On the one hand, Hashem is so great that it's, it's, it's uncomprehensible and there's no way of grasping it. But that greatness, what did Hashem do to it? He contracted it and put it into simple halachas, into simple pieces of chumash, into simple pieces of tanach. And Hashem did something that we can't really grasp. He took the infinite and contracted it and put it into finite ideas and finite thoughts. And that's what He did. He enabled us through the Torah that He gave us when we're learning Torah, to connect and bring Him Himself into ourselves. As He says, V'tzimtzim HaKadosh Baruch What does the word tzimtzim mean? He constricted. To constrict, to contract. Right? Tzimtzim HaKadosh Baruch Hu Hashem constricted or contracted His wisdom and His will B'tayag mitzvah sa-tayra and the 613 mitzvahs of the Torah and all the various halachis U'b'tzirufei oisi tanach. In the actual words of Tanakh, notice the difference. When he talks about Tanakh, he talks about the words. Why in Tanakh does he talk about the words? Because halachically, there's a big difference between Torah Shabal Peh and Torah yeah. What's the difference? Torah Shabal Peh, Mishnah, Gemara, Halacha, you only, you're only doing the mitzvah of Torah when you understand it. The seichel of the Torah. 
If one reads Mishnayis and doesn't understand what he's saying, you don't do a mitzvah. When it comes to Teresh Shabbat Chumash, or Navi, or Tehillim, you just read the words you're doing the mitzvah. Even if you don't understand one word. That's why if a person gets an aliyah by the Torah and Shul, he makes a bracha, even if you don't understand anything. Because when it comes to Teresh Shabbat the actual words contain the holiness. Not just the Seichel, not just the Chachma on the words. You understand? Mishnayis, it's the Chachma that's holy. Not the words as much. In Chumash, it's the words that are holy. So Hashem took His infinite wisdom and infinite will and He contracted it into ideas, into thoughts, into halachas, and into literal words on parchment. Um, Why did Hashem do that? Why did Hashem contract His infinite nature into simple words and simple ideas? For you and me. So that every soul, every spirit in the body of man, everyone should be able to grasp it. And to fulfill them, whatever one is able to fulfill, using those garments of, of action, of speech and thought. And through this, to slabish. He'll be enclosed. Bechal eser bechinisah, all the ten parts of the soul. Bishloisha levushim elon visvi. Sorry, you want to say something? All right. No, no. So the Torah, even though it's finite, it's all, I thought every Torah is also infinite. Like the amount of Torah that each right. halacha is like infinite. Arucha me'eretz muda. Right. That's longer than the earth. True. But on the other hand, when I learned a piece of Mishnah, I, I, I so the Mishnah. It's deeper, and there's always deeper. It's on another level. But I picked up a finite idea. Mm-hmm. I, I'll tell, tell you a beautiful thing. Gemara says, you know, all of us know that Meshur Rabbeinu, that Hashem gave us the Torah by Sina, and then Meshur Rabbeinu comes up to heaven, he's going to be there for 40 days and 40 nights, and Hashem teaches them the entire Torah. And let me ask you, if Hashem is going to teach the entire Torah in 40 days, 40 nights, how do you break that up? What did he teach the first day? What did he teach the second day? So the first day he did uh, Tanakh, second day Mishnayis, Rambam, Tanya, Tanya <laughs> Lakuti Maran, right? <laughs> Zohar, you know, you got to, got to split up the Torah in 40 sections. Try to do everything in 40 sections. So the Gemara says something amazing. Most people don't know this. That really, Hashem learned with Moshe the entire Torah, everything the first day. And at the end of the day, he forgot it. Second day, the whole thing again, he forgot it. 40 times. He learned everything and forgot it. He says on the 40th day, It was given to him as a gift. And that's why it's called Matan Torah, the gift of Torah. Mm. That's the Gemara says. Question is, why? What's this all? What kind of a game is this? Why was he learning and forgetting and learning and forgetting and learning and forgetting? Like, I mean, you know, in every class we forget a little bit, but why forget everything? What's the point? And the question is even greater because, because it's not the first time Moshe Rabbeinu learned Torah. After all, Moshe was from Shevet Levi. Levi, we know in Mitzrayim, they were yeshivas. Right, Rashi says that, uh, Ari, Rashi says that the Yidin were never, the Shevet Levi was never even enslaved in Mitzrayim because they were always learning in Yeshiva. So Moshe had plenty of um, experience learning Torah. So what happened? Why suddenly can't he retain anything? What's going on? Mm. It's a good cash. The explanation is given like this. There's a big difference between the Torah before Matan Torah and the Torah after Matan Torah. The Torah before Matan Torah, they learned from Yitzchak, Yaakov, 
the Medrash says, "Miyav miyemenu leparsha yeshiva meaviseinu." Avram, Gemara and Yuma, Avram yeshiv zakin v'yeshiv yeshiva who Yitzchak zakin v'yeshiv yeshiva. We learned her, but before Mount Torah, they only learned what a human can grasp from Torah. You know, different ideas, different thoughts. What happened by Matan Torah? What's the very first word of Matan Torah? Anoichi. Of Matan Torah, the giving of Torah. What does the word Anoichi stand for? Gemara Masech Tishamas. It's a Rosh HaTavis, an acronym. Ano Nafshi Ksavis Yehovis. The four letters of Anoichi. Ano I, Nafshi, my soul, Ksavis in my writings, Yehovis have given myself over. Basically, the Matan Torah Hashem enclosed his very self in the Torah that he gave us. That is something that a human being can't understand, can't grasp. A human being is a finite mind. Even Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest human being ever, is still finite. He's a human being. So once Hashem enclosed his essence into Torah, even Moshe, it, it, it flew out of his head. And that was the message Hashem was imparting with Moshe Rabbeinu. The Torah that you're learning now, it's a different Torah. This is me. You're taking me in your mind. If so, Moshe, as great as he was, wasn't a keli, wasn't a vessel to handle it. And that's what the Gemara means. He forgot it. He forgot it again. Hashem gave him the gift. What was the gift? The gift was the ability that a human mind should be able to learn a halacha and the Torah. And in that halacha, Hashem himself is invested. And Hashem gave us that gift of that union that ability to take in his halachas and his ideas and his midrashim and his psukim and his mishnayas and that's Hashem himself. And that's what he's saying over here. That's the concept that even on the one hand, leis machshava tfisa beino machshava can grasp Hashem achaykr lakatim sano one can understand and yet since ma'kodesh baruchu resoyne v'chachmasay Hashem contracted himself his own ruts and his own will and his own chachma and put it into the Torah so that we should be able to handle it. Let's go right there. The last word on the line, about almost halfway down the page, right after the period. This is also why we find throughout Shas many times that the Torah is compared to water. Why is Torah compared to water? I'm sure you've heard in one form or another. Torah is water. Why? What's the connection of water to Torah? Number of, there's a number of correct answers to that question. If I throw it out here, any, any thoughts? Can't live without it. You can't live without it, okay? What do you, so the, that alone, there could be different explanations. One Gemara says that water is only received by a place where there is a, um, where there's a, like um, an indentation or descent because, and that shows then the humility that's necessary to learn Torah. That in a Mayim Midrin, water only gathers in a place that's shallow, that's low. And a person who feels himself low, a person who's humble, is a, is a vessel of return. But here in Tanya, he says a different word, different explanation. Water also goes up, evaporates into clouds, and also comes back down and nourishes the world. And that's Tarshab, Xavim, Tarshab, Al Pat. Very nice. Very nice. You saw that or just thinking? I was just thinking. Very nice. Very nice talk. Very nice talk. But here in Tanya, he says a different thing. What's unique about water? Water always flows downward. It goes from the highest place, highest mountains, everything, and it flows downward. Mm-hmm. But what's more is that the same water that's on the top of the mountain is on the bottom of the mountain. It flows down where it doesn't change. So that's Torah. Torah is Hashem's wisdom, the highest level, the supernal wisdom of Hashem. And it comes down and it's enclosed in very simple halachas, very simple stuff. 
Again, we sit down sometimes, we learn a Shulchan Aruch or Rambam, and we think we're just learning, you know, legal stuff, you know, like, like you read any textbook, Lahavdu, right? It's Hashem's wisdom that, that trickle down, comes down, and it's enclosed in the simplest of things. But it's the same water as it was when it was in Hashem's mind. And that's what it says. This is why Torah is compared to water. Just like water descends from a high place to a low place. In the same way, the Torah it descends from its place of glory. Which is Hashem's own will. And Hashem's wisdom. Like we said before from the Zayr. That the Torah and Hashem are one and the same. And really, there's no ability of no machshava, of no mind, no thought process that is able to really grasp the Torah in its initial form. And from there, from its initial place of glory. It traveled and descended. In the hidden levels. From level to level. In the chain of creation of worlds, till Hashem's wisdom was enclosed, bidvarim gashmim in physical things, vinyoni elam hazeh, and worldly things, shehein reiv mitzvahs ha-teirah kekulam The vast majority of the mitzvahs of the Torah and the halachas are very physical. They're talking about very physical things. You've got to take an esrid, which is a tree, which is a citrus, and it grows in a certain place, and a lulav, and tefillin, which is made out of leather, which comes from a cow, and you make a bracha on food. It's very physical stuff. And not just that. It comes into the actual ink of the physical words written on the parchment, the 24 holy books of Teresh Bixav. So we have this divine and supernal and unlimited infinite type of wisdom coming down into ink, coming down into an esrig, coming down into physical halachas about two people holding onto a garment and arguing who's mine or it's yours or whichever halachas, I don't know which gemara everyone is holding on, wherever you're learning, it's talking about physical stuff. You think about it for a minute. The Torah preceded the world. Right? It says, Alpayim shana kadma Torah before creation. So if Terek received the world, but the whole Gemara is about halachas, of cows and oxen and people and garments and lying, what was the Terek talking about before the world was created? Simple kasha. The Gemara says Terek has preceded the world. Terek is Hashem's wisdom that preceded the world. But, but the Terek is all about the world. The whole Terek is about the world. So what was it talking about before it came into the world? So the answer is, it was talking about that same halacha in a spiritual sense. Right. So when we're learning the halacha, we're learning like like a hundred steps down, the same halacha enclosed in a physical story. The Ramban, the Ramban writes in Chumash, and uh, <coughs> in Parshas, um, in the beginning, in Bereshis, he writes, "Hatayra midaberes betachtoinim, v'reimezes be'elyonim." The Torah is talking the physical, but it's all alluding to spiritual things. Because every every halacha, every pasuk we learn in Torah that tells us a physical story has a deeper spiritual meaning. And, and that one has a higher level and higher, higher level, higher, the unlimited nature of Torah. Reb Nassim has a whole, Lekuti, all the Lakuti halachas from, like, Brasov Torah is all, like, it goes to Shochan Arach, goes to each halacha, and it brings you the Hasidus behind it. Right. Shechita was talking about the trick in the safety. I don't know. 100%. It says the Arizal. The Arizal would teach every halacha that he learned. He would give six pirushim 
in the reveal levels of Torah, and the seventh Pirush was always the Pneumius. Mm. Al-Pi Everything he taught, he taught also al The seventh Pirush. Can I get Shabbos, he said. So if you say that the story is something more on a spiritual level, but the story still happens? Yes, 100%. It, it happened in a physical sense, but that physical story represents and, and um, alludes to a spiritual story behind the physical story. So, and that's a very important point that you're making, because on the one hand we're told that ein mikra yotze midei pshuto, which means that everything has to be understood on its physical level as well. It, I mean, in Chumash, in Torah Shavik sometimes in Medrash we might have allegoric stories that only have their spiritual meaning. But definitely when the Chumash talks about six days of creation, it talks about Noah and the flood, and, and et cetera, et cetera, we're talking about physical stuff. But those physical stuff are also alluding to spiritual ideas that are behind them and deeper than them and from where they come. So it's like, it's like layers. It's the physical story, which is true, and there's a spiritual layer, and a deeper, and a deeper, and a deeper. It says that when a neshama leaves the body, ultimately, so the neshama has revealed more secrets of the Torah. Secrets are at the deeper level, and there's deeper, and there's deeper. This is Hashem we're talking about, so it's infinite. It's inf- there's infinite depth to it. You know, the Baal Shem Tov said, he said, any question you ask me in Torah, I can answer. Any answer that's given, I can refute. I can ask on it. And any question, I can answer. Because what the Baal Shem Tov was saying is that in Torah, you can, just go, you can always go to the next level. So we can answer something, but then there's still going to be something remaining difficult because you have to go a step deeper. So, and then you'll understand that. But then there's deeper. And that can go on forever because it's Hashem's wisdom. That's what he said. That's Torah. That's why, that's why people learn Torah their whole life. And you have, you, have, you have not just regular people like, you know, have to share once in a while and learn. We're talking about the greatest Tamil Chachamim, the greatest Sadiqim, you know, take, take, take the Rebbe. The Rebbe, when he was Bar Mitzvah, was tested on Shas. Right? But when he was 88, he was still learning Gemara. It gets boring after 70 years doing the same thing and knowing it by heart already 70 years ago. So what, with the same high, same intensity. Like, where's there to go? But that's terrible because deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm. That's the Amos. You know, the Amos, I talk about it, Amos. From personal experience. And that's why Moshe had to learn it 40 times. Because you learned it. <laughs> more and more. Yeah, you know? more. Personal experience, I'm teaching now Gemara in Yeshiva. I'm teaching the same Gemara that I taught when you were in Yeshiva and, and eight years earlier. Same Gemara. And every year, it's like whole new things. And new spirushim and new ideas. And it's just amazing. So I'm learning now a Gemara that I have written, what I wrote on it eight years ago. And beforehand. And I'm reading, it's like new stuff, totally. I found a new Tzemach Tzadik and a new Pirush and a deeper Pirush. And that, that's terrible. That's just amazing. Where are we holding? Oh, we're holding about ten lines on the body. Maybe that's another reason why in my Torah, because they say that there's, with all the technology nowadays, you'll never know the depths of the ocean. Emma's, I'm sure that's true as well. That's another thing. In everything of Torah, there's so many Pirushim. You can keep on going. Emma's, Emma's. Okay, so he says, and the line that starts with the word Sforim, about eight lines up from the bottom, or nine. All of this, this whole contraction that Hashem did within Himself to bring the Torah lower and lower is in order that every machshava, every thought process of every person should be able to grasp Torah. Even speech, again, saying the words of the Torah. And Maisa doing the actual physical mitzvahs, Shalomata Mimadregis Machshav. Your thought seems to be a little more spiritual, but speaking is physical, action is even more physical. So every thought, speech, and deed should be able to be, Tfisa Bahim, should be able to grasp 
the Torah, grasp Hashem, and we should be able to include ourselves, like we said before, in the Torah that we learned, to get involved in it, to get fully involved in it, fully involved in our Torah, fully involved in our mitzvahs. And what happens when a person really gets involved in Torah and in mitzvahs and in doing good deeds in L'shem Shemayim? So then a person becomes fully surrounded by Torah, by mitzvahs, by Kedusha. It says, It says, Once the Torah and its mitzvahs malbishim in clothes, kol eser bechinas hanefesh, all the ten soul powers, v'chol taryag evareho, and all the 613 parts of a human body. Right, I think we talked about it in the past. The 613 mitzvahs, and they correspond to the 613 limbs and sinews. Evarim and gidim. And they, and they in turn correspond to the 613 parts of Hashem. Right? The Zehar says that there's Ramach Pikudin, 613 mitzvahs, that they are Ramach Evrim de Malka, the 613 limbs of the king. Why? Just like, the, just like the, a person it has the, all the limbs is where the energy flows through. So Hashem's energy, divine energy, flows through his mitzvahs, through his Torah. So when a person is able to enclose their entire being in Torah mitzvahs, so then, Abraham. from the head, from head to toe, Harikula Then a person is fully wrapped in the bond of life of Hashem. Now, I don't know if you know um, on a headstone on a matzeva. Well, the right? what, what's the on the bottom of every gravestone? So there's five letters. Tav, Nun, Tzadik, Beis, Hey. That stands for? Tehei, Nishmaso, Tzreira, Betzreir HaChaim. May this Neshama be wrapped in the wrap, or in the bond of life. Where does that come from? That, that quote. Tanya. Well, it's written in Tanya. That's not the first source. It's in Tanakh. And it was Dabin HaMalach, who said that about Shaul HaMalach, his father-in-law. Right? Shaul was the first king of the Jewish people. And Shaul, although had a rough time with David, that's a story for itself, but ultimately when Shoal was killed in war, the Pelishtim, so David mourned Shoal, and he said that about him, he said that his, may his soul be wrapped in the bonds, of, in the eternal bonds of life, and that became a, that became the statement of every Matseva, every headstone. What we're saying is, that ultimately, again, we're human beings, and we want to be connected to Hashem, and when, when we're able to fully utilize every part of ourselves in Terah and Mitzvah, so we become totally surrounded by Hashem. It says, V'er Hashem Mamish. Two lines from the end. And the light of Hashem Makifa surrounds Umalbisha and enclothes the person from his head to foot. Kameshikasav, as the Pasik says in Tehillim, Tsuri Echasebui. The other Melech says, Hashem is like my, my, uh, my, um, Tsuri is like a, a fortress. What is that? I rock, my strength. Echesbe, I take refuge in him. <coughs> that I take, I, I, I take refuge in Hashem. Uksiv, another pasuk, katsina. Like, katsina is a, um, I'm sorry? A shield, right, or a armor. Now, how does he attach it in English, Taka? <coughs> you will envelop him with favor. No, no. Katsina is either an armor or a shield. Katsina rotsa in ta'atrenu. Shield. Yeah. A shield? Yeah. Like a shield 
the desire, the will of Hashem surrounds or crowns the person. I remember it was it was 29 years ago and I was a, I was a bachar in the yeshiva and uh, the Rebbe spoke then of Fabrang, there's certain things I remember and he spoke about this because I'm pretty sure it's, it's in chapter 5 of Tehillim Perikei and Perikei it was then it was it was the yard site of the Rebbe Maharash Maharash and the Tehillim the chapter of Tehillim that we were saying was chapter 5 because he had already you know we say a chapter of Tehillim when a person's uh, X amount if you're 20 you say chapter 21 because right, you're in your 21st year. There's a minhag for a person to say every day the chapter of Tilim that's that corresponds to the year that he's going into. Again, you're 20, you say Chafalaf. You're 30, you say Lamad Aleph. You're 80, you say Payal. Every day for the whole year? Every day the whole year. It's a minhag. It's a minhag. Wow. Not a din, it's a minhag. But and many, some people will say it for their wife and for their children also. Take, it can take some time. But there's a minhag to say the capital Tilim of the year of the person. Especially if you have 10 kids. Yeah, it's, it can be tough. It can be tough, right? right. <laughs> I have, I have, can I know eight children? And I take a say, and it takes time. It takes time. But anyhow, so the Rebbe, on a, on a, now, what if, what if a person turns 150 and there's only 150 chapters in Tehillim? So what do you say? Now, so you might say to me, most people don't make it to 150. In fact, nobody makes it to 150, so it's not a problem. But it's not so pushing. Because really, even after a person passes on, they continue to age. That's an interesting concept. A person becomes a year older every year. So there's a concept of saying the Tehillim of someone, let's say a loved one who passed on, and I'm still saying it for him, and he might be 150, 160. So what do you do? You start over. So on yard sites or birthdays of Rebbe's, bygone Rebbe's, the Rebbe would sometimes explain, would explain a Pusik from the Tehillim of where they're, wherever they're holding. Second time around Tehillim. Wow. Following? Just to do the math in your head. Is, <laughs> so, I've said, so this, I'm telling you, I'm trying to remember. I don't want to, don't want to waste your time. But this what, it must have been 1988. So which Rebbe would be turning then 155? I'm thinking the Rebbe Maharash. Why? Because the Rebbe Maharash was born, give me one second, in Tafresh Chaf. No. The Rebbe Maharash is in Taf Kuf Sadik Dalid. Okay, help me. Tough Kuf Tzadik Dalit is what? You know how to, you know how to do this? So whoever was born in 1833. I'm sorry? Whoever was born in 1833. Tough Kuf Tzadik Dalit, 1833, exactly. So in 1988 is when he was saying Kapitol Hill. Who came after the Tzadik? Marash, the son. Anyways, I'm just, it's not really to get to the Tanya. But the Rebbe was talking about that chapter of Tehillim, and he talked about Katsina Ratzin Tatrenu, and he types the word Sina in Yiddish as a panzer. A panzer is that armor. And he says the Terra Mitzvah is an armor for a person. When you're doing it, it's a protective armor. You know, in the world, there's all types of different stuff that can, that can hurt a person spiritually, physically. And the Terra Mitzvah is surrounding myself with Hashem. And that's the armor that protects the person. So I have a question. Yes. So if you spend a decent amount of time learning Torah and you're surrounded by this armor, so how does that Yitzhahara attack you then and you fail? That's a good question. That's a very good question. Um, there's, the Gemara talks about that. Where Masech the Saita, that you know, it was like this. We have a power within ourselves called Bechira. Bechira Chafshis, which means the power of free choice. 
right? Freedom of choice is a good thing or a bad thing? The best. Okay, the best and good, but it could also, it's a two, two-edged sword. Sure. Because really what Bechira means is that a Yid has a very tremendously powerful um, power, and that is that he can, despite all odds, do the opposite. So that can work tremendously in our favor, which means even if all odds are against me, my upbringing is bad, my background is bad, my temperament is bad, my Yitzhahara is bad. Everything is stacked against me. A Yid can do good and change, you know, full circle to do right, even if all the odds are stacked against me. By the same token, though, a Yid has the power, when all odds are stacked for me, to do something bad. And that's, it's an amazing power that we have to defy everything and go either way. So that's why you can have a person who's a tzaddik, a real tzaddik, and then he can go and do Averis and become a Russian. Like, he's a tzaddik. Everything is good. He does Torah mitzvahs, the best upbringing, the best everything. Torah mitzvahs, his temperament, his midas. And in our history, literally, we have um, Yishmael Kohen Gadol. He's one of the Kohen Gadol. After 80 years, and he became a tzaduki, and he went totally, or, or Yeravim Benavot, or, or, uh, or Achav, or, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Who am I looking for? Uh, Elisha ben Avuya, Rameir Zerebi. These were tzaddikim, and they went totally bad. How do we explain how a tzaddik who worked so hard, did everything, and still he could do bad? That's that power of Bechira. That part, there's a certain part of us that's so powerful that it could powerfully pull me out of everything to the positive, and it could pull me away from everything and go negative. So, when we learn Torah and do mitzvahs, we're helping ourselves, and we're strengthening ourselves to fight our Yisrael. And we're giving ourselves more, you know, 10 steps in the right direction. But that never takes away from us the ability to say, you know what? Drop it all, I'm doing an epic. That's part of it. It's, it's, a, it perhaps, it's a sobering thought. Maybe that's why they say it when you die, because then you're actually surrounded and you're safe. Good, good point. Good point. The, 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 the Mishnah says in Pirkei Avos, Al tamin ba'atzmacha ad moscha. Not to believe in oneself till the day he dies. Even a tzaddik. Right? There's, there's a lot of uh, mitzvahs or averas in the Torah that are just precautionary measures. People still die when they're wearing armors. You get shot by a bomb. Maybe. Yeah, sure. Armor doesn't do anything. Or you could have, yeah, like, in the olden days, you could have a shield and, I mean, it's still... Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it protects from a lot, yeah, but, a lot. but, you know, it's, it's not over till it's over. We're, ultimately, we're always struggling. We always have that struggle. So we, we help ourselves and we fortify ourselves, we strengthen ourselves, and they help us in many situations. And yet, I have the ability to make a bad decision. The Barasi Tahar, the Barasi Torah Tavlin. Right? I think that's you need to go to Tanya. Which idea? It's kind of going to be a constant struggle. It is, yeah. yeah. But, but the Chiddush is that even it's Adam, even someone who seems not to struggle, because it's really all good. And, and it's true, it is all good, and yet there's something in our neshama that can defy everything and go the other direction. So it's, it's, it's an interesting concept, because I asked the question in the beginning, is Bechira good or bad? We always say good, and it is good. It's wonderful. It gives us the ability, no matter what, to do right. But it also carries the other ability, no matter what, to do wrong. And that's, that's, that's our job. Let's just finish the last line here. Until the period. So he says, Katsina Rasan like that armor that surrounds us, Shahurit Soinevachmasi is Barak. The armor is Hashem's will and Hashem's wisdom. Hamalubashim with that are unclosed, Bitirasai in his Tayra Mitzvah and the mitzvahs. So when I surround myself through them, 
through those garments of the soul, through um, in, you know, investing my thoughts in the thoughts of Torah, my words in the words of Torah, and my mice in the mitzvahs of Torah. So I, what I'm doing is I'm surrounding myself totally by godliness. And that's why Hashem contracted His infinite greatness and that level that really can't be understood in simple words and simple ideas and simple actions to allow us to fully um, encompass ourselves and connect to the Kedusha of the Torah. And that's through the garments of our soul. Should we finish up? Can we start like 10 minutes late? Do you have... Uh, first, it's going to be more than 10 minutes. But next week, Bulinada, we'll start from here and we'll go into Perikei. Next session. Oh, yeah.